Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word to learn more about glorifying Him and overcoming the tempter. Ron Adams, one of the elders of the Franklin Church of Christ, presented the lesson that you're about to hear. I'm excited about it, and I know that you'll be benefited. So open God's Word along with us, and let's learn about God and His will for our lives. Something that affects my life. Something that means something to me. Not that all of Scripture doesn't mean something to me, but there are certain times in our life where certain Scriptures mean more than they ever have. If you'll turn with me to Matthew, the 13th chapter, we see Christ here uh, teaching, and uh, as he often did, he would teach in parables. Beginning in the third verse, and it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. And then if we look on in uh, the 18th through the 23rd verses, he explains about these soils that the seed falls on. And we know uh, from having studied the parable of the soil or the parable of the seeds that this is about spreading the gospel, spreading the seed that would uh, fall into hearts and create uh, a growth of Christians. Uh, and I've, I've often looked at that, but I want to look at one uh, particular part of that. Verse 22. Uh, I know that this is talking about sowing the seed and what, how it affects new converts often. But, it, you know, when he explains the sower and the seed in verse 22, it says, And the one on whom it was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Yeah, that happens to new converts, but it could happen to each of us at any time in our life uh, that the cares of this world cause us to be choked out, have God choked out of our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Each of us have our struggles in life. You know, some of us deal with health issues, ongoing health issues. Some of us deal with financial hardship. Some of us have family problems that we have to deal with, with. Some struggle with worldliness or immorality. Uh, you know, and the problems that affect my life might seem to mute to the, you. But at the time that they're a problem in my life, they may seem insurmountable. You just can't deal with them. And vice versa. We look at the rich people and we say, if I had their problems, I'd be okay. And you, you've got to be careful what you ask for because they've got a whole set of different problems than than I do. So we all have problems. We all have things that take up our time. We worry about, we are concerned about, and we need to be very careful as children of God that that doesn't choke God out of our life and take up so much of our time that we are not focused on our spiritual well-being. 
I know that has affected me at times in my life. You know, there are times in your life when you, you think you're going to live forever when you're young. And then uh, you start a, a job and start your career and you think, well, I'm here. I'm set for a while. And then circumstances change. And you're facing the end of your career. And you haven't prepared for it. And that's the, the way I found myself. The end of my career at General Motors came, came to an end and I wasn't prepared. And I hadn't made preparation. And then you worry about that thing. It becomes uh, almost an insurmountable problem in your life. And then you find a job and you go to work like I did. And that presents a whole new set of worries and cares that are different than the ones that you have. You've got to learn how to deal with those. And that's what I, I hope that we get out of this tonight, is how to deal with those problems and those cares. Sometimes in each of our lives, we put our spiritual uh, lives on the back burner. Uh, it doesn't ha matter how old you are or what point you are in your spiritual maturity. We know that Satan is always there hurling darts at us. He knows our weaknesses. And that's where he attacks us. He does not attack us at our strengths. He knows he can't overcome those, but he attacks us at our weaknesses. And we all have different weaknesses, but he will exploit them. There are times in our life, and, you know, when you read the Scripture, it talks about people of great faith. And it talks about people of little faith. In each of our lives, we have those peaks and valleys of faith. Uh... Hopefully we reach the, the point in our life, I hope I reach that point where I'm at that peak all the time and my faith is strong. But there are things that come and cause me concern and, and starts choking the God out of my life. And I've got to be careful about that. If you'll uh, remember Peter in Matthew 14, when he saw Christ walking on the water, he scared him at first. And, and Christ told him, said, come, you know, come to me. And... We skip the part about Peter walking on the water and go to his sinking. Peter had enough faith to get out of that boat and stand on the water. And that was a period of great faith to do that. But almost instantaneously, his faith became weak. And he did begin to sink. And that's how our faith can work in our lives at different moments. One time we're high and the next time we're low. And we got to guard against that. And Peter, Peter had to battle those inner uh, battles within himself in, in a matter of moments. Paul admits in Romans 17, verses 14 through 25, that an inner battle took place in his life all the time. You know, I think about Paul, and other than Christ, after Paul's conversion, we don't read about the flaws that existed in his life. He talked about the flaws that existed in his life, but we don't see a lot of things that Paul did wrong after his conversion. So he's a great example to us about perseverance and doing what God wants us to do. But he tells us there in Romans 7 that there's a battle going on within him and that, you know, he, wants to, he knows what he's supposed to do. But on the other hand, he doesn't always do that. And he knows what he's supposed to not do, and some times he does that. So he has that conflict going on within him. And he gets on down in, in verse 25, and he gives us some comforting words about the, the battle that takes place within us. And it's that he can survive all that 
because of God through Christ Jesus. And that's how we survive those battles within us. He told the Philippians in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, Paul believed that, and he lived his life that way. The question is, do we believe it, and are we willing to always live our life that way, that no matter what happens in our life, we can turn to God, and he'll strengthen us. We need to. I need to. The problem is, sometimes we become self-satisfied and complacent with our life, and we feel in control, and that we can handle everything on our own. And that's good when things are going the right way for you, but it doesn't always happen that way. We are sometimes like Peter. We're willing to get out of the boat, but when things go wrong, or we think they're going wrong, then we begin to sink. Paul set a tone for us in, uh, when it comes to how strong our, uh, we need to be in our spiritual maturity. In Philippians, the third chapter, verses 11 through 16, he says, In order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also laid hold of, was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many are, as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, if in, in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal this also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Sometimes we look for a different standard. And Paul said, don't stray away from the standard for your life. This contains the words of life. This is our standard. This is what we're supposed to keep ourselves within. And there is no other standard. Paul, even as good as I think he was, says he had not arrived yet. And he kept pressing on to that, that mark. And we need to have that same attitude. We have not arrived, and we need to keep working hard to, to please our God and to do His will. And that's how He knows we love Him, if we keep His commandments. Christ talks about letting the cares of this life interfere with our service to Him in Luke 9, verses 57 through 62. And we see some individuals there who are willing to follow Him. And it says, And they were going down the road. Someone said to Him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and pro proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now you think about these individuals that said they are willing to follow Christ. Was there anything wrong with going and saying goodbye? And saying, I'm going to follow the Messiah and help him and be uh, an instructor? Him? No. Is it, was it a bad thing to go and want to bury a, a family member? No. What were these? Christ recognized what they were. They were excuses. 
Because what did he just tell them? Your discipleship is going to cost you something. And if they had left, they were not coming back. So he, he tells us that there are excuses for not doing what's right. Uh, and, and we need to count the cost and understand what it means to be a child of God and that we cannot let the cares of this world and these were cares of the world that affected these people. These were legitimate concerns that they had, but it was going to take them away from their service to God and to Christ. You know, my problems are real, and I bet you think your problems are real too. Uh, the anxieties in my life are caused by real everyday problems, things that I face every day, uh, and, and yours too. And believe me, I understand that. There are times in each of our lives that it just seems that it's spinning out of control. I've been like that, where it just seems like I have no control over any circumstance in my life. The question is, is whose control is it spinning out of? It was spinning out of my control. The problem that I had and the problem that each of us face at different periods in our life is letting God control our life, giving our life over to him and letting him control us. And that's where I failed in the past, is thinking I could do it all on my own, and I'll get through this, and, and I couldn't. And I can't. Uh, we have to rely on God. And, and these songs that we sang tonight talk about those things. There are times in our life, there's all kinds of problems that affect us. And we've had uh, several of our members in the last few days and weeks and years that have lost loved ones. And that's a devastating thing in your life. I've not lost a spouse, but I've lost a mother and a father. Uh, and, you know, my father told me, he said, when, you're, when your mother dies, that'll affect you a lot worse than it does when I die. And I didn't believe that. I thought, no, no that can't be true. But it is. It was in my life anyway. It was in his life. That's the way his, the passing of his mother was to him. There are things in our life that, throws, that will throw real stumbling blocks in our way. And so some of our own brothers and sisters have had that stumbling block. It's great to have other family members to help us through those times. It's great to have brothers and sisters in Christ to help us through those tough times. And that's the way we should be toward one another. But isn't it a comfort to know that we have a God that cares in those difficult times. No matter what anybody else does to help us, he's there to help us. So, we turn our life over to God and let him control it. How do we do that? Paul says in Romans 12, chapter, in the first two verses there, that we have to give ourselves up to God. We have to become a living sacrifice. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and, per and perfect. Am I by my life and by my reliance on him showing that he is perfect? And that, uh, you know, I'm just the subject of his. Uh, a child by adoption. 
and that he is my father. And that's where I go to lean on. That's where I go in times of trouble, in times of care. Do I show him that? Do I tell him that? Uh, well, we need to. Uh, you know, where do we go in times of, of difficulty? You know, think about that in your lives. Where do you go? Christ begs us in Matthew the 11th, uh, 11th chapter, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You think about the cares of your life, and I think about the cares of mine, sometimes they become wearisome, and they weigh us down and burden us. And Christ is talking about the burden of sin, that we have like a millstone hung around our neck that we're carrying around. And he came and brought us relief. But not only that, did he bring us relief from our sins, but he's also bringing us relief from the cares of this world. Uh, you know, Peter was was a man, you know, we, and we've already talked about him, was a man that, before Christ left this earth, told him, you're going to die on my behalf for your service to me. You're going to be led where you don't want to go. And Peter, in, in his letters, in First Peter especially, writing to people, trying to give them comfort, knowing that they're going to suffer and they're going to die for the cause of Christ. And he brings them words of comfort at that time. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, and that's the hard part right there, is humbling ourselves, admitting that we have problems. You know, we don't admit we have problems to each other oftentimes. We should. But to humble ourselves and say, I am not in control and I can't control my life. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I read those words and I know what they're saying. And then I've got to ask myself, do you really believe that? That if I cast, if you cast your cares upon God, that everything's going to be okay? And we have to have enough faith in God that that's the case. How many times have you had some, some bad thing happen in your life and you did go to God and you prayed about that, that bad thing? It doesn't take the bad thing away whether it's the death of a spouse or whether it's the loss of a job or whatever that may be affecting your life. It doesn't take that away. But how do you feel after you've gone to God about it? That's, that's the key to everything. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 4, chapter and verses uh, 6 and 7, says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How does he do that? I don't know. All I know is when I do do that, and I pray a prayer of faith, and ask for his help, I do feel better about it. Because you've got to come to the realization that you are not in control, and this is not all there is, that there is eternity. And when you come to that realization and the comfort of the Scriptures that there is a life eternal out there, then everything pales in, in comparison to that. And I think that's the, the, the peace 
that the saints have that others do not have. And it's a shame that they may never get to know that peace that passes all understanding. You know, we know that God requires of His people, every time He says He will do something for us, He requires something of us. We've we studied that in, the, in our study of the Old Testament. You know, when Joshua went up to take Jericho, God could have just spoken the walls down and destroyed the city. But what did He ask them to do? He asked them to march around the city and participate in that. Uh, and He asked us all along the way to participate in the things that He has asked us to do. Look at verses 8 and 9 there in Philippians 4. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and any, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So that's where peace can come from, too. You know, I have all kinds of things thrown at me in my life. And all too often, I dwell on the bad things. You know, my mother used to tell me, don't worry about about things. Said, if you can fix it, fix it, and don't worry about it. If you can't fix it, there's no need to worry about it anyway. And that's easy said. It's less easy to, to practice. But how do we do that? Our lives are going to be filled up with something. My day is going to be filled up with something. And he tells us right here in Philippians what to fill our minds up with, what to fill our lives up with, and, and to fill our hearts up. It's, it's whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is, whatever is of good repute, things that are excellent and things that are worthy of praise. And he says, let our minds dwell on those things. If we dwell on the good things found in the Scripture, if we think about the good things that God has in store for us, if we will remain faithful to Him, then those things will choke out the cares of the world instead of the cares of the world choking those things out. We've got to, that, that's hard work to dwell on those things. But we've got to do that. And I don't always do that. And, and I pray about that. And I, I try to do that in my life. But I don't always do that. So you see, both Peter and Paul are telling us that a battle is going to go, it goes on in our lives. And what we need to do about it in all these scriptures is we need to pray about it. We need to dwell on God's Word. He speaks to us. He tells us that He cares. And then we've got to dwell on good things in our lives and not dwell on the bad things that occur in our life. In other words, fill up our lives with the good and the pure and let it choke out the evil and the bad. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to have faith. Not just believing that God will do it, but we've got to actually have faith and depend on Him that He would do that. John, in 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We've got to really believe that God cares. We've got to really believe that He will do something about it. You know, and, and don't get it in your head that He's going to take all your burdens away that affect you in this life. Uh, that 
your spouse who you're praying for fervently to survive some illness is going to some, somehow live forever on this earth. So what is he telling us? The, the victory that overcomes the world, the world is pushed aside because we know there's something better out there. God has a home prepared for us. That's what we need to be dwelling on. When the bad times hit, we need to th start thinking about God and the home that he has prepared for us. Let that push the bad things out of our minds. Nothing I've said is easy to do. We all have to work at it. At least I do. I have to work at depending on God. I have to work at increasing my faith. I have to uh, work at having a knowledge of his scripture so that I might have a glimpse into his mind about what he wants me to be and what he wants me to do. I have to dwell on his word. I have to force myself to do that sometimes. And I have to pray. And pray without ceasing. And that's why we're encouraged to do that in Thessalonians. Remember the words of Christ when he said, Come unto me. You know, now is the time to go to him. Uh, you know, when I was a youngster, I probably knew what I should do to be pleasing in God's sight at an age a lot younger than I obeyed him in baptism. Uh, but I was always looking for the right time, the right circumstance. I was always wanting to know more. I don't know enough. And I wanted to, to know more. There were all kinds of excuses I offered to myself about why I didn't obey. And we don't want to wait for more knowledge. You know, how much knowledge did the, the people on the day of Pentecost have? They knew who Christ was, but they didn't believe, or they wouldn't have done what they did to him. But they heard one gospel sermon and they obeyed. You know, sometimes people wait for some catastrophe happens in their life. Don't wait for that. Don't wait for that catastrophe to come. Whatever you're waiting for, and whatever you're putting off your obedience for, that day will never come. There will always be some reason that you can't obey. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 2 tells us today is the day of salvation. And I would ask those that are uh, need to be baptized into Christ what Ananias asked Saul. What are you waiting for? He said, why tarry? Arise and be baptized. And I would ask you the same question. And not only are you washing away your sins, you're able to grab hold of that peace that passes all understanding. Uh, if you're already a child of God, and you do have let things choke uh, your spiritual life out of you, then I would invite you to come forward to this evening so that we could pray together. I need your prayers in, in this area, and I'm convinced that there are others who probably need prayers uh, on their behalf so they'll be strong when they face the financial hardships, when they face the death of a loved one, whenever they face family problems. They need someone to pray with them and for them, and we're willing to do that for you this evening as we stand and sing. I hope this lesson was beneficial to you. If you have any questions about serving God, about glorifying Him, about how to overcome the tempter, about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, 
www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on audio tape or on CD. If that's the case, please go to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons that are available in both outline and audio format. You're free to download any and all of them and use them in any way that you believe will glorify our God and help others overcome the tempter. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.